welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike, one of the pastors here, and uh, before we jump into today's message, I just want to make one more announcement. Uh, today at 2.30 is Al Stewart's Memorial, and it's at the Scott Mission. So uh, if you, uh, I don't have any, there's, let's see, a couple details. <laughs> it's 2.30, probably go to 3.30, there's going to be like a little reception afterwards, there'll be sandwiches and refreshments and stuff. So if you plan on going there, and, on, and you're on one of our serving teams, You'll, you'll probably have time to get a snack, but there'll be food there for you as well. Uh, but yeah, just want to encourage you guys, let's, today is a day to uh, celebrate Al uh, when we're there, and uh, the reality is he's with Jesus, and we get to celebrate that today, and we get to mourn him not being physically present with us any longer, but we get to celebrate that he is dancing with Jesus right now, even as we're here exalting the name of Jesus. So. Um, that's at 2.30 at the Scott Mission, which is on the north end of Chinatown on Spadina. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let me explain the, the series real quick for those of you guys who are new with us today. Uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is all one sermon that Jesus has done. And, and he is he's preaching through a bunch of different things. And so when we get to this passage, a lot of times, and I've probably said this every week, but so often people misinterpret a passage in the Sermon on the Mount because they take it out of its context of an entire sermon. And so this passage is one of those passages because Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, and we're like, okay. Uh, but a lot of things come before he says that, and a lot of things come after he says that. And that's what we're going to talk about today and hopefully put this passage in its context. All right. So last year, last summer... I went skydiving. Anybody in here been skydiving? Yeah, wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple of you guys have. Uh, I have. It'd been like a lifelong dream of mine to go skydiving. I, when I was 20, around 20 years old, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go skydiving. I had set it up, went to the facility, put down my deposit, all that stuff, went there. And they wouldn't take the plane up because it was high winds. So we couldn't go. They had to cancel it. They refunded my money. And that was that. About a year or two later, I was like, I'm going to do this again. Put my deposit down, set it up, go, go to the facility, go out there. And the plane had like mechanical issues. <laughs> At that point, I'm like, I'm probably not supposed to do this, right? Like, is this a sign? Like, I, sh I should just not, not do this. So. Last year, being married for 13 years, being the father of two beautiful daughters, I decided it's the time. It's the time to go skydiving. Actually, the sign was a Groupon, and it was a cheap, it was a cheap deal to go skydiving. I was like, I've never seen it this cheap before. Like, I have to do this. So, sign up for it, and, and went skydiving just outside of Ottawa. Um, and uh, so I go there. And I wasn't nervous, because I'm, I'm like, you know, 
I'm not going to die. If I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. So I'm talking to the girls, and I'm like, hey, guys, I might die. I have a, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. I'm like, I might die. And they're like, no. And I was like, it could happen. Like, it's kind of, I'm jumping out of a plane. And I'm like, but we trust Jesus. And, and, uh, and so let's, let's go do this thing. So but we're driving there, and I'm a little nervous. And I don't know. I just, it, you're jumping out of a plane, right? So we get up there, and right when we pull up, like, other people had just done their dive, and they were coming down. And that gave me confidence because it wasn't, because actually we drove up as this is like a field in the middle of nowhere. Like it looked, and it was, there's like a trailer out there, and that was where the office was. And I'm like, this ain't cool. Like this does not look put together. But then I saw other people coming down. And I was like, okay, like this is cool. I can, I can do this. Um, gave me a little bit of confidence. So we go up there, and it's my first dive ever, right? So for those of you who don't know, you're tandem with somebody else. Somebody's on your back, basically. Um, and, but, uh, so we get in the plane, and there's about 10 of us, and we all sit in this one bench, and then when the doors open, people just start going out. Uh, and you have to wait like a minute between each person or something like that. And so we're up there, and the guy hooks me onto himself, and we're sitting on the bench, so I'm kind of straddling the bench, he's behind me like this. And the doors open. I've never been in a plane that high where the door was open. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I have two daughters. <laughs> I have a family. <laughs> I guess I should not be doing this. Um, and the door's open, and I'm like, that's just the sky. Like, I don't see any ground. I just see the sky. Like, birds aren't even up there. They're, like, below us. Like, that is, that's not how it's supposed to be. So the first person goes, and... And then you wait, and then the next person goes, and you wait. And I was like four or five. So we go up there, and what they have you do is they, they had me kneel down right on the edge of the door, on the threshold. So I'm kneeling down, and then when it's time to jump, he taps my shoulder, and I just push off. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I didn't push off, but I did. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and it felt like an eternity. It's probably 15, 20 seconds that I'm sitting there just staring into the abyss, and he taps my shoulder, and it's like, it takes a little bit to register that I have to like actually jump into the sky. And all of a sudden, I just push off, and we go, and we're flipping, somersaulting, somersaulting, until we kind of land like this. And when you, when you land, when you, not land, when it landed, land like this, <laughs> when you're, you're belly to earth, you know, and, and guys, the terminal velocity for that is 200K flying through the air like this. That's, that's outrageous. So um, we probably hit like 1,000K. I don't know. It, it was crazy. So we're, we're flipping through there, and we go down. And guys, it was, if you've never done this, which most of you haven't, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like this that I've ever done. It was so amazing. We, and, and I'm just you're just falling to the earth. And it doesn't even look like the earth is coming up because you're just, it feels like you're flying. And, and so I'm, I'm going. And then all of a sudden I see the other people, you know, those four people who went before me, their chutes are open. So now I have a marker. And then I see that I'm approaching them pretty quickly. And so in my mind, I'm like, is he going to pull the chute? And this guy's like 60. He's like 60, 65. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. 
<laughs> but it was, I was like, did he have a heart attack? That's what my thought was like, oh shoot, like he's, he's gone. Um, and then I'm like, wait, maybe he told me I'm supposed to pull the shoot and I just forgot. Maybe I'm supposed to do it. And so all these thoughts start going through my head. That's a picture of a lot of you guys in your journey, in faith, uh, journey of faith, is that you're, you're enjoying the ride, we're with God, we, we've jumped out of the plane and we're like, yeah, this is awesome, like, God has us, and then something comes along, you lose your job, a death of a family member, a uh, broken relationship, uh, an, an accident, a physical illness, a mental illness, emotional struggle, um, something to disrupt your life comes along and you start doubting. Is he there? I thought God was with me. He's like, we're doing this tandem, right? Like, he's supposed to be there. Maybe I should take control of myself and pull the shoe. You got a lot of you guys that act like that with God, huh? We want to just take control. I'm tired of waiting on God. I'm just going to pull this shoot. And we're like, did he die? <laughs> like, did God just bounce? Did he leave me? And we forget the promise that he says he will never do that. And we just forget and we start to doubt. And when I was falling through the air, I had a choice to make. I could have grabbed his hands and smacked him on the face like this. I could have like, I actually was like, oh shoot, am I supposed to? I started looking at the straps. Like, do, do I need to pull something? Um, I could have panicked and unstrapped myself to like, yeah, like, but, and that'd be the most idiotic thing to do, but that's what we do with God. We like totally unstrap ourselves and say, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this myself. And in that moment, I was like, well, I hate this phrase, but I was like, it is what it is. <laughs> What's going to happen is going to happen. And then boom, he pulls it. And then for like three glorious minutes, I'm like floating through the air down to earth like Mary Poppins. <laughs> like, it was pretty amazing. Like just floating down and, and just seeing everything. And, and I knew, I should have known, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, we kind of chuckle that he's 65. That means he's been doing it a long time. That means he's been doing it for, I should trust this guy because he knows what he's doing, right? And, and sure enough, he got me down safe. I'm here. Uh, and first thing, when I got down, the girls are waiting for me, Missy and the girls, and, and I run up to him, Emerson runs up. She's like, you didn't die. And I was like, no, I'm here. Yes, praise God. Um, in, in our faith, we forget, we sang all this stuff, you know, that God is able, that God is with us, that he's on our side, and we just forget that so easily and so quickly. This morning, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been talking about, and we've had different themes. This morning's theme is, you are able. And so the bottom line this morning is this, that if you are able, you trust that God is capable. If you are able, you trust that God is capable. Here's, here's the thing about the Christian faith. You are able does not mean that you can do it on your own. So when we hear you are able normally, we think, oh, I'm able to do this on my own. In the, in the faith, in the kingdom, in what Jesus is trying to build in us in the kingdom, it's actually the opposite. It's all dependence and faith and trust in God. 
So what makes us able isn't our own power. It isn't our own will. It isn't our own means. It's God's capability. And, and those words there I put in there intentionally because when we think about able, um, it's like, uh, it's, it's more general. It's you have the power, the means to do something, but capable is you have the necessary means or ability to do something specific. And a lot of you guys, you trust that God is able, and you'll sing that song, God is able, he's with us, but when it comes to specific things in your life, you forget that he's capable of doing something radical, of doing something transformative, of doing something that is just amazing in your life individually for you, and you just forget that. And you're like, I know God is able. He, I know he's omnipotent. I know he's with us. I know he's, he's, he's uh, all these things. I know he's good. But in your life, you forget God's capability, and it's because you're not placing your trust in him, your dependence on him, your faith in him. So if you're able, you will trust that God is capable, and that has to do with humility. It has to do with humbling yourself. Uh, we talked about it in our BLG this past week, which was just an awesome time we had in discussing this passage. And Jamal brought this out, that the key to this is humility. It's humbling ourselves before the Lord, and, it, and, it's, and it's recognizing that we have the mind of Christ and that God is shaping our mind to be in line with Christ's mind. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So now when he says in this passage, ask... And it will be given to you, in verse 7, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks will be opened. Now when you read that, um, I want you to think about humility and trust and dependence first. But here's the thing. A lot of you guys have read this verse and this chapter outside of its context and, and you're like, okay. Jesus says, ask and I'll receive, seek and I'll find, knock and it'll be open to me. And you're like, I've been asking and I haven't received. And you say, I've been seeking God and I haven't found this. And I've been asking God to give me this and I don't have it. And I've been asking God to do that and he hasn't done it. But Jesus isn't talking about those things. This isn't a universal ask, guys. This isn't, Jesus isn't saying, hey, you can ask anything you want and I'm going to give it to you. He's not saying, seek anything you want and you'll find it. He's not saying, knock on any door and it will be opened. God doesn't work like that. Okay, he's not, he's not uh, Santa Claus. He's, there's, there's something here that Jesus is building into us in terms of kingdom character as a kingdom citizen. Okay? And remember what he's just said. So the, verse right before, the verses right before this in chapter 7 are about judging not, that you not be judged. He talks about a log in your eye, um, he talks about a speck in your brother's eye, he talks about restoration of relationships. And in the verse right before this, he says, do not give dogs what is holy, in, in verse 6, do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Such a weird verse. We talked about that last week, how this verse is kind of, um, it makes me laugh when I read it. I'm like, it's, it's just kind of weird. But uh, Jesus is talking about two things here. And we got to ask, what, and, and this is going to inform this passage for us. So, what is that which is holy? What is he talking about there? What are the pearls that he's talking about there? Last week we said this is the gospel of the kingdom. This is Christ's kingdom message that, that he's talking about here. But the point of this isn't the worthiness or the unworthiness of, of uh, in this passage, the dogs and the pigs. 
The point is our own holiness. Because he says, they'll trample over what's holy and they'll turn to eat you. Remember, and I'm not going to rehash all that, uh, but it's about our own holiness here. So we see here two things, gospel of the kingdom and holiness. And then Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. So what is he talking about? He's not just talking about anything. He just finished talking about restoration of relationships, uh, the gospel of the kingdom, and holiness. Now he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives those things and finds those things, and, and those doors will be open. And he says, well, actually, before, before I go into the next, next verse, um, when we moved to Toronto, now we moved to Toronto about five and a half years ago, and uh, we, when we moved here, uh, we knew nobody. We knew nobody in the city. We, we, we'd never been to, before God called us to Toronto, we'd never been to Canada. We hadn't stepped foot on Canadian soil, and we just knew God wanted us here, so he said, go. We came, moved here, and when I got here, I was like, it was like when I jumped out of that plane, I was like, what the heck? What did we just do? We just left family and jobs and home and all this stuff with a two-year-old and a one-year-old, and we planted our lives here. And, and so during those first few weeks, I was just like, God, I know this is what you want us to do, but I have no idea what to do right now. Like, how do you meet people? How do you, like, it was just so much faith and so much trust but I said, God, I need you to give me something. Like, give me, I'm always asking God, like, give me something. Uh, like, I just need some scripture. I need some encouragement. So um, in those early days, he gave us two passages, Luke 5 and Luke 11. And in Luke 5, <clears throat> in Luke 5, the, uh, this is before the disciples are the disciples, Simon, Peter, James, and John, they're there. Uh, maybe Andrew's even there. I'm not, I can't remember. And they're fishing. They're all fishermen. And, and Jesus is coming up, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and he gets in one of the, he, you can see him, he just like commandeers a boat on the shore. It doesn't even say the scriptures that like he asks or anything. He just kind of walks up with his like entourage of people following him and hearing him, and he steps into the boat, and he just starts preaching to the crowd from the boat that's, and, and to the crowd that's on the shore. And he's doing that, and then afterwards, he's like, hey, Peter, why don't you go fishing again? And Peter's like, we just fished all night. Uh, he says, we toiled all night, and we got nothing, Jesus. Like, nothing's out there. And you want, us to, you want us to go out there again when we're just, like, packing everything up? And you, you kind of get this, this feeling that Jesus kind of gives him a look. Like, and Peter's like, okay, we'll go. And, and so Peter gets in the boat. The disciples get in the boat. And they go out in there, and, and Jesus says, throw your nets over there. They do that, and they bring in a huge amount of fish. Like, the nets start breaking. They have to bring other, other boats in to, to, uh, to help out with this, all this stuff. And what's so awesome about this passage is right before this, nothing. Right after this, everything. Abundance. And when God gave that passage to us, he just spoke something so clearly to me that when I show up, Jesus saying this, when I show up, everything changes. When I show up, the atmosphere changes. When I show up, 
people follow me. When I show up, you will see fruit. When I show up, yeah, your, your efforts will now be fruitful. When I show up, everything changes. And it's such, a, such, a, uh, such an amazing passage because right after that, Jesus says, hey, guys, follow me. And for them, if you think about this, they just hauled in a huge load. Like, that's money, guys. That's lucrative for them. But what do they do? They drop everything, and they follow Jesus. And Jesus says to them, now, you're not going to catch fish anymore. You're going to catch people. And, and then they go. And the second passage is Luke 11. And I'm tying these together uh, because they tie together in our lives. And, and, and Luke 11 is the, Lord, it's the Lord's Prayer, uh, what, what we went over in Matthew 6 there. So the Lord's Prayer... And then, there's a, and then Jesus gives a story, and he says, he says this, uh, that there is a, actually, do we have it? We do have it. So I'll, I'll just read it. He says, he says I tell you, though, uh, so someone comes and asks uh, for, for bread. Someone, this guy's sleeping at night. His friend comes to his, his house and asks, and he says this, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, uh, yet He'll give it to him because of his impudence. He'll rise and give him whatever he needs. And Jesus is illustrating uh, how we ask God for things and why we ask God for things. And he says he doesn't give it to him because he's his friend. He gives it to him because of his impudence. Then he says, ask, seek, knock. It will be open to you for everyone who does that, uh, receives fines, and, and has the door opened. This word, this word impudence, it's, it's not a word that's, that's used very often anymore. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but when you Google words, you, you can see, I, it goes back centuries, and you can see how much a word is used in the centuries. So if you look at impudence, it was like huge in the 1500s. In the 21st century, it's only used by Jesus, apparently. <laughs> And me this morning. So well, this word, it, it means, a lot of times we interpret this passage as persistence. Like you need to keep on asking. And, and here's the thing, persistence is in here because these commands that Jesus gives to ask, seek, and knock, they're not a one-time deal. It's a persisting thing. It's, these words are in the present, present imperative, so they're commands, which means that you're able to do this. You're able to ask, you're able to seek, you're able to knock, so you're able to do those things, and they're present, meaning they're ongoing, they're continual, they're continuous. So a lot of times when, we, when we're with uh, the Father, we can ask Him something, and when, the, when it doesn't happen, like that's it, we may give up. Jesus says, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, and it will be open, you will find it. And, and so, but this word impudence here adds another layer on there because it means something that's abnormal. It means something that's like um, outside of the cultural norm. So here in this day, this guy is knocking on his friend's house in the middle of the night while he's sleeping. That's like abnormal. That's outside the cultural norm. Like that's an emergency situation, right? So when we read that word impudence, we shouldn't read persistence although that's in this passage, we should read something that is a huge ask. It's something that, is, that only God can do. 
right? In this case, it was something that only his friend could do. He had nobody else to turn to. And because of his impudence, his persistence, but then also because, man, he just, in the middle of the night, knocking on that door, that's why he rises up and gives him whatever he needs. In this passage, Jesus says in verses 9 through 11, he, he contrasts the good father with people who are evil. And what's impudent about this? What's impudent about us asking why it's outside of the cultural norm, why it's abnormal, is because it's, it's, the, whole, it's the unholy asking the holy. Because it's, it's us as sinners asking the perfect. Because it's, it's you who are evil asking the good. And that's impudent. Like we're, and, and this whole thing, going back to humility, we have to recognize that if we're going to ask. What asking does is it puts us in a place of humility. It puts us in a place of dependence. It puts us in a place of trust where we can only say, God, you can only do this. God, this is all up to you to do because I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer here. And so Jesus says in, in these verses, 9 through 11, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? In Luke 11, he adds, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. Back in Luke 11, <clears throat> it says that, so he goes through this, the scorpion, and then he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the good thing here, guys. So when we talk about restoration of relationships, when we talk about uh, holiness, when we talk about the gospel of the kingdom, that is God the Father giving us the Holy Spirit. We can't be holy by ourselves. We can't mend and restore relationships by ourselves. We can't receive the gospel of, king, of the kingdom by ourselves. It's Him giving us what is good, the Holy Spirit, and that's all we need. So, so when He says here, and, and don't get me wrong, um, well, well, let's talk about this for a second. One of the travesties in the Christian faith is, for those of you guys who call yourself a Christian today, and you're a follower of Jesus, one of the travesties is you don't really grasp what the fatherhood of God is, what it means for us. And it's actually one of the most unique things about the Christian faith is that God is Father. He's not some distant, transcendent being. He's actually a father to his children. And Jesus, in, in shaping the kingdom citizen, is trying to get us to see that we're his children, and we're humbly there before the Father, and he's a father to us like no other father. He's a good father. And now, a lot of us, we have this view of, of God, of God the Father. We have like a I, I call it like we have like a Marvel view, like Marvel Universe view. Like some of you guys think God is the punisher. Like you, you look at the Father as, oh, if I mess up, he's going to punish me. If I, if I do this wrong, well, there's, there's my punishment. And you're just like tiptoeing around God because you're afraid 
he's going to punish you or he's going to give you something bad, right? Guys, Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took the full wrath of God for you. Do you realize that this morning? If you're a follower of Jesus, he's not waiting for you to mess up. He knows you're going to mess up and he still loves you and he wants you with him. That's a father. That's a good father. That's what Jesus is is trying to communicate to us. He's trying to show us that, that God's not up there waiting for you to mess up. He's not up there waiting to, to, uh, to hit you and to punish you, to spank you or whatever it is, give you a time out. He loves you and he wants you to know that. And Jesus is saying, I've taken all that for you. That's the beauty of the gospel. Some of us treat God like, <laughs> not the punisher, but we treat him like, uh, um, what's that guy's name? And Thor's brother. Loki, like a trickster, like God is just trying to trick us. Like, and here's the thing, some of you guys are like, oh, don't ask God for patience. If you ask God for patience, you're not going to like what you get. He's going to make sure you get patience, and you're not going to want it. And so how many of you guys are like, ooh, I don't want to ask God for patience? When patience is actually a fruit of the Spirit, we should want it. You know, or you say, oh, I don't, I don't want to say to God, I want to give you everything or I want to do whatever you want me to do because what if it's something I don't really want to do? Like God's not up there waiting to trick you into doing something he wants you to do, guys. That's not who God is. Like you have to trust that he's going to give you something good that when you ask for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. When you ask for bread, he's not going to give you something harmful like a stone. He's not going to give you a serpent. He's going to give you good things. That's who God is. And so, what does this mean for us? What should, what, what should we do? What, what do we do? Well, verse 12, this is what's often called the golden rule. He says, so, or therefore, because of all this, that, that word is the same in, in the Greek, so therefore, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, again, we interpret that a lot of times apart from the rest of it, uh, but it has a therefore in it, so it's connected to what we just talked about. And he says, so therefore, we, what you wish others do to you, do also to them. Guys, this isn't a rule. This is a result. Follow me this morning? Like, that's not a rule. That's a result of the Spirit working in your life. You cannot do that apart from the Holy Spirit. And when you ask and seek and find the gospel, the kingdom, the, the Spirit of God, He will give this Holy Spirit to you, and then you'll live like that. You can't do that apart from Jesus. You can't do to others as you'd want them to do to you. Like, you need the Holy Spirit to do that. And so stop reading that as the golden rule. I don't like that that's subtitled in our Bible that way. Like, stop reading that as a rule. It's not a rule. It's the result of the Spirit working in your heart and in your life. It's transformation. It's what you will look like when this happens. And then he says here, the last verse is two verses. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the way is easy, it leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus is giving us a, an, an image here that, um, 
Like Jesus isn't hiding the gate here. Sometimes people read that passage and they say, well, why is it hard to find? Why, why, is, why is it so narrow? He's, not, he's, he's making a, a statement about how many people will end up following him, will end up following Jesus, will end up trusting the Father. And he's saying, and, and here's what it's about. It's about everything that just preceded it. It's about the Holy Spirit's work in your life. It's about uh, holiness. It's about restoration of relationships. It's about asking, seeking the gospel of the kingdom. And then he says, the result is to enter by the narrow gate. And then he says that when you don't, when you choose to do things your way, that's the easy way. That's the way to destruction. And many choose that, he says, because it's hard. If that's the easy way, that means that this is harder than that way. And this is the more difficult way to humble ourselves, to hear God's voice, to trust it, to obey it. Here at Trinity Life Church, when we talk about following Jesus, when we talk about discipleship and what that looks like, we use those three words, hear, trust, obey. It's just hearing the voice of God and trusting it enough to obey it. And when you see the golden rule here, when, when we see this last few verses, it's all about obedience. So many of you guys want to hear God's voice, but you don't actually trust him enough to obey his voice, and you're not walking forward in that obedience. This morning, we're going to see obedience right here. Shang is getting baptized this morning, and, and we're going to see a tremendous, huge step of obedience, and we're going to see the result of someone who has heard God's voice, trusted his voice, and obeyed it. And it's such a beautiful picture of, of the kingdom principles that, God, uh, that Jesus has just shown us in this passage and that God the Father gives us. And so as we go into baptism, um, Romans 6 talks about baptism like this, that it is, it is the reality of us being buried with Christ in his death and then being raised to walk in new life. That's, that's the beauty of the gospel, guys that we can't do it ourselves, that, that Shang has, has given himself to Jesus and that his life has been transformed, his heart has been changed, his perspective has been, has been transformed, and now he's buried with Christ in his death. Jesus has taken his punishment. Jesus has taken uh, any sort of wrath from God. Jesus has taken all that for you, for me, in this case for Shang, and that is buried with Christ in his death. Sin is conquered. Sin is no more. Death has no more hold on Shang. And we get to celebrate that this morning. And then Shang gets raised to new life, and we get to celebrate that, that he gets to walk in new life, uh, abundant life. Remember Luke 5? Things change when Jesus shows up. Everything changes when he shows up. And we get to see that displayed in the glory of baptism today. And, and so for, for baptism... I want to say a few things. One, it, is not, uh, it does not add anything to your salvation. This is a result of salvation. This is a result of something, of a decision that Shang has made, a choice that he's made to say, God, you're in control. I put myself uh, at your feet. I trust you for this, and, and you are my redeemer. And, and so this doesn't add to that. But at the same time, like I said, it's symbolic of what Christ has done for us. And another thing, it's very, very spiritual. 
This is something that a lot of us cut off. We were like, okay, I agree with it being uh, you know, non-salvific. I agree with it uh, being symbolic. But a lot of us forget the spiritual component of this. And, and the significance about this, like this is in the community of faith, guys. One, it's very significant because we're doing this together. And it's, it's, it's just amazing that we get to celebrate this together. Two, the other thing is that, like I said, it's spiritual. I don't know what it is. We don't have to qualify it. We don't have to quantify it. But in this act, the Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit works. Something spiritual happens, and we get to exalt the name of Jesus this morning because of that. When Jesus gets baptized, we see the Spirit descend on him uh, like a dove. And, and we don't know what that did. Jesus is in perfect communion with the Spirit, uh, so I don't, we don't know what that did, but, but that's when Jesus starts really living out his faith. And so for you this morning, if you're considering baptism, consider those truths that uh, maybe something has been holding you back. I don't know what it is, but this morning, if you want to follow Jesus, Jesus got baptized. That's why we get baptized. We're followers of Jesus. So, and this is the first thing he did before he did anything else, before he started his ministry or did anything else. We want to follow him in that, and Shang has chosen to do that this morning. So, we're going to enter our time of communion and response and song, then we'll celebrate baptism, and I'm going to bless, bless us as we do that. Lord Jesus, Thank you so much. Thank you that Shang has asked, that he's sought you, that he's found you, that he's received, that he has knocked on the door and it has been opened to him. Thank you that you've changed his life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we go into communion today, we want to celebrate your body broken for us and your blood shed for us, Jesus. And remember that. And so change our hearts this morning. Draw us to you this morning. Show us more of who you are this morning, we ask in your name. Amen.